Welcome to the Wiser Wealth Management Roundtable, where we believe the best financial advice should always be conflict-free. I'm your host, Casey Smith, guiding you to financial freedom, or my co-hosts, Brad Lyons and Matthews Barnett. Hey, guys. Hi, Casey. How's it going? Going great. Today's uh, topic is avoiding carrying debt in retirement. This is part of our our series uh, where we talk about the uh, five steps to financial success in retirement. This is step number four. You can listen to uh, our prior podcast to cover uh, the other topics, managing cash flow, building and maintaining cash reserves in retirement. Last week was maintaining uh, investment discipline, which is one of my favorite topics, behavioral finance. Step number four is really, I think, probably the second most important step. The first one I definitely believe is is investment behavior, but uh, not having debt in retirement. Sometimes people go, I knew this was right, but my advisor never would tell me that because, you know, most firms are built uh, to have incentive for you to keep investing with them, not pull money out to eliminate debt, right? Our firm is built uh, very differently in that respect. But um, the whole debt thing, Dave Ramsey does it best. You know, you can listen to his uh, radio show, which is the same show every single week, just different people call in. <laughs> the, uh, I literally, I didn't listen to the show for like five years and I tuned in and it was like, Hey, I won a million dollars. Do you think I should pay off my mortgage? You know, it's like, this is the same show from five years ago. Um, but the whole purpose here and think, think of it this way. Retirement is all about cash flow. I mean, rates of return are important. Um, all those things help add to cash flow, but retirement is all about cash flow. You're no longer getting a paycheck. You're getting income from various sources and that income has to exceed your expenses, right? That makes sense. Got to have a clean balance sheet or a clean uh, P&L, right? So now on the balance sheet side is, is the carrying debt. If I don't have a $2,200 mortgage, then your cash flow need would be less or your fund goes up, right? That's something that a lot of people, uh, when they come to us, we some of them we uh, we don't have to fight them. They're they're willing go willing into the no debt lifestyle, and then others we have to show them the math behind it. And so we'll talk a little bit about that today. But if we look at where we are, uh, where most people are, you know, five years prior to retirement, a lot of people come to us in their in their fifties, five, ten, fifteen years prior to retirement, adding more money to your four hundred one k, adding more money to your investment account may not be in your best interest. It could be that eliminating that mortgage or certainly the bad debt, right? Matthews, you and I talk to clients all the time about eliminating bad debt. So Amex at 25% interest. See, a lot of Amex is like that, obviously, a lot of credit cards. And then there's some that are still considered, you know, not great debt, but some are unavoidable with the environment we have right now. We see a lot of people with student loan debt. It's something that a lot of times has lower interest rates than the 20% or high credit cards, but it is something that needs to be paid down. So we always want to be debt-free when it comes to crazy interest rates, for sure. Even people that have the 0% cards because they transferred something into it, we want that to go away. We don't, we don't want to owe the credit card money. The trick to being wealthy is that other people aren't making money off of you, right? Your, your wealth is generating income and growing for you. We don't want to make uh, Amex rich. The next part is cars, our vehicles. We're seeing a lot of zero percent interest rates too, where people say, "Well, why don't? Why would I not take that great deal and pay that over seven years or so?" So again, we're talking to the masses, not to a specific person. But I'd say no. You want to be paying cash for the vehicles, or you want them paid off in a very timely fashion. So if you're preparing for retirement, you would have the car, uh, no car note, no no vehicle note, and then you're saving into a savings account for that next purchase. Right. 
And then the big one's the home. Uh, a lot of people come to us that have homes paid off already, but we also have a fair share that have balances left, sometimes small, sometimes large. It's really simple. You're 55, you wanna retire at 65, you just figure out how much extra payment do I need to make in order to eliminate that mortgage by the time I'm 65. And if you refied, making sure that it's paid off too, because a lot of people obviously were doing refis when the interest rates got so low over last year. Yeah, well, the interest rate uh, reduction is so seductive to people. They just kind of get drawn into this idea that, oh my God, a 30-year mortgage at, at 2%. I mean, that's unheard of. I mean, I've got to participate. I can take money out and I'll just pay it off over the rest of my life. I've, I've always had a mortgage. I don't know the difference of not having a mortgage. So it becomes a psychological barrier almost to people who want to get debt free, but they just aren't sure how to do it because it's just not something that they're accustomed to doing. And this is where we have to try and break the cycle of being in debt. Now, debt is an interesting thing because at different stations in life, debt is okay. The proper use of debt is really leverage. And when we're, we're young and we buy our first home or buy that home that we're going to raise our children in and, and live for a substantial amount of time, we put down a small amount of money and leverage that through the use of a mortgage and buy a home that we otherwise couldn't because we wouldn't have enough money at that station in life quite often. So we pay it off over a period of time. But then what happens is, you know, interest rates have gone down. People want to leverage the money that's equity in their home. They take it out. They spend it or they, they buy a car. They buy quite often what would be considered a diminishing asset, which is never appropriate. But we see it all the time. So we want to distinguish the difference between the proper use of debt, which we'll use the term leverage, as to buy a home to live in, to pay down and pay off eventually and you know, establish our, our homestead versus credit card debt, personal loans, home equity lines of credit, and all these other things. Well, uh, if you're younger and we've seen such a big jump in um, home values, to tap into that equity to then add on to the house or do major repairs to the house. Um, that's fine because it, that it's all related to that house. Right. What what I see sometimes is well, I'm going to refine my house out, and then I'm going to um, pay off all these high interest credit cards, which would be fifty to eighty thousand dollars. Sometimes, you get one of those. You get one reset because very often you're taking the cash out to the max of the house, and then you have a situation where you get back into credit card debt if you haven't changed your behavior. You get back into credit card debt. Now you have new credit card debt, and you have a bigger mortgage. And now you're in a worse position. And we can justify anything in our, in our mind well, mm-hmm. as we stand there and, and, and go, well, I, ha- I just have to do this. I, I have to have that bathroom remodeled or I have to have this kitchen. You know, I can't live in this kitchen anymore. And kitchen's probably just fine compared to other places, right? You know, if you're younger, you can do that. I, I think I would say um, this is taking a little different twist than our, than our outline here. But <laughs> <laughs> if, if I had to talk to my younger self and say, do this differently, I I would say don't buy anything that you couldn't do a 15-year mortgage on. Because if you look at the interest rates over a 30-year time span, that is a ton of interest. When you go five years into your mortgage, you really haven't made any headway. And I think right? if people looked at that, they'd probably think about it differently. It's just easy to look at the monthly payment being lower and say, yeah, that's what I want to do. Yeah, I can afford this monthly payment. That's yeah. what I want to do. Or if you're in a, in a position where um, maybe your income is fluctuating or you're concerned about jobs in the future, you do a 30, but then you pay it like a 15. That's always an option. I would probably need, I would have needed, 
a 15 to go. I got to, I got to cover this going, going forward. So my, my recommendation to anyone here is listening. That's thinking about a mortgage. I, I wouldn't do anything more than a 15. We, we saw someone recently, I think 1.99% on a 15 year mortgage. When you think, look at that amortization schedule, it's very, it's very little interest. I mean, it's quite exciting actually. You go, oh my gosh, in five years, they're going to have a lot paid off or paid down on that mortgage. Assuming there's a job and you qualify, you know, you can always refi out if, if you had to for some reason. But the, the whole point is you're using the mortgage to buy a large asset, but it's, you're getting it paid off in a timely fashion. And then if it goes up in value, that's even better. That's even more equity. So now when you outgrow that house, you have a lot of down payment to get to the next house in, where if you're just doing the 30, you're really just counting on the increase in um, the appreciation appreciation of the home. home. And and what we see a lot of, too, with older retirees is that they were counting on that appreciation to buy their their downsize on their new home. Unfortunately, with the increase in value, so-called downsizing might be a smaller bedroom or so, or less bedrooms, less yard work to keep up with. A lot of times it's a lateral move and the house costs the same value. So oh, yeah. you've got to make sure that you're able to do that without going into mortgage on the new transaction. If you, if you have a four or $500,000 house and you want to downsize, you're still spending four to $500,000 right. in these 55 plus communities. You just don't have to do the yard or anything like that anymore. Right. I often tell our clients who, who say downsize. So you see, you can downsize, you can reduce your workload, but you're not going to reduce the, the amount of money. Don't think that you're selling your half million dollar home to buy a $200,000 house. It's yeah. not, that doesn't happen. But I don't think there is a $200,000 house that I'm aware of in, inside Cobb County right now. Most likely not. I mean, maybe not. a townhome. And, and if well, there is, it's getting snatched up pretty quick. Right. It may just be for the property. M- m- most townhomes <laughs> exactly. now are at least four hundred grand. So, I mean, they're, yeah. they're going at least for that. So, yeah, you, you have to take all that into account. But no matter where you are in your mortgage, look at, say, okay, it's 65. I got to have this to zero. This is how much extra. So very often I would tell people we're going to eliminate that before we send anything extra to retirement, uh, which kind of is a good segue into our planning checklist. So when we sit down with someone, it's really just four, I used to call them buckets, or just four, four steps, four check marks. First thing you're going to look at is always debt. What's our current debt load? Do we have bad debt? You know, sometimes I sit down and say, look, you know, I know things are tight for you, but you carry $4,500 a month in debt payments. If those debt payments weren't there, (laughs) you'd be doing just fine, right? And then it goes to the other extreme. You think that if you made $2 million a year, you'd have no problems. We just, we see this all the time, Brad, right? We do. $2 million a year in income. And they just have bigger payments. It's easier to get access to the debt. <laughs> exactly. The debt is structured very differently and much more favorable. I will say that. But yeah, you're you're looking at three or four properties, uh, nice properties, fully leveraged, and you know it's it's costing you thirty, forty thousand dollars a month in mortgages. It's all relative, I guess, and it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be. You should be smart enough to know. If you're smart enough to make $2 million a year, you think you'd be smart enough to handle the money, but that's not always the case. It's not the always case. the case. Yeah. <laughs> After we've looked at debt and we have a debt elimination plan, which, Matthews, you have a great spreadsheet you work with people on, uh, showing them how to uh, how to get out of debt step by step. After we do the debt uh, elimination worksheet, uh, we look at um, emergency reserves. So we, w- we never want to get into debt again. And we don't have to sell our portfolio because uh, of a job loss or, or a major uh, catastrophe of some sort, right? So we always make sure the emergency reserve matches the family. And then after that, that's when we start getting into retirement savings and say, how much, how much is my portfolio currently worth? What do I need in my future when I'm no longer uh, employed? 
and we start calculating, okay, this is how much you should be putting away. If you've checked those first three, then we get to have fun. The next step is the opportunity fund. And I call the opportunity funds usually invested a little bit differently than all your basic retirement accounts. And that's because you might need it. It might be for the lake house. It might be for a beach house. It might be for an airplane. It might be for whatever it is that you want to do. It could be a trip. So we don't take, we're not taking as much risk when we're a younger person. Yeah, it's not as long-term. It might not be 10, 20 years. It could That's be right. a little shorter time frame. But it all starts with this one step, avoid carrying debt. And I can't harp on this enough. When you're carrying lots of debt, you're a slave to that debt. You might have to forego a job opportunity that you've always wanted because you can't take a reduction in pay. Studies are showing this, especially students who are getting out of school with large amounts of debt. They may be employed and they may be supporting themselves and carrying the debt load, but the point that, that you're making is shown in studies where they are unable to go off into a, an opportunity that they're betting on the future, that cash flows and salaries might be higher in the future than should they stay at their current job. So they may be taking a lateral move or even a step back, but there's greater opportunities in the future Say they're going to start a company or they can go with a company that's a, a brand new company with new products and new services, but they can't carry the debt load. And so this is where it's inhibiting younger people from trying new things in their career. We have a client now doing exactly that. He's home. He's in the IT industry, debt-free, including his home. And he did all that, took all his stock options he got from big company, and, and it applied it to eliminating the home mortgage, and now he's following his dream, doing it doing it his way, as opposed to, I don't know if I can take the risk. i got to make X amount to cover my That's right. cover my Ferrari and cover my uh, extravagant trips and all these things we kind of grow into as we make more money. Well, some of it's unavoidable. Like Brad said, there's a lot of people with student loan debt that could have some could have been avoided, some not. But once you're in it, it's the way of trying to, to learn how the best way to pay yeah. it down. That's an important thing you just said there. Once you walk in our doors, and it should be this way for any firm, it doesn't matter how you got here. We don't care. We don't care how you got here. The point is, this is where you are. And now it's time to start. Make a plan to, to move forward. Yeah. Let's, let's make a plan. Let's get out of it and, and, and go forward. You could have had medical bills that, that contributed to it. it could, you could have had um, bad decision making. We've all made bad decisions. Sure we have. Yeah, you know, all this was just 20, in, between in, 20 and 30 at one point. In finance, you can actually <laughs> quantify it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, but the word plan is really extremely important here. There are ways to plan to get out of debt. When we're in debt, and we've all been in debt, sometimes it's just kind of all-consuming. And you wonder, how in the world am I ever going to get out of, out of this debt? You just see those payments looking out month after month after month after month, but there is a way to plan for getting out of it. And this is where, you know, seeking out a professional financial advisor can help. Because they're here, like you said, Matthews has this great planning, you know, spreadsheet and, and ways to look at the debt, categorize it, look at the payments, determine the amounts and which ones to attack first with the most amount of money to get out of debt the soonest. Yeah, so the, the easiest way to, to look at this is you'd want to write down, like Brad said, you want to write down what the balance of those uh, amounts are, what the, what the monthly payments are, and what the rate is. And there's two different ways to look at this. There's one way that's called the snowball approach, and that would be where you're, you're paying off the smallest balances first and then moving on to the larger balances. Uh, the whole purpose, a lot of that is uh, behavioral and, and psychology. It says that, you know, just getting the small wins, that kind of helps you 
uh, get a good feeling about that and continue to, to down that path. So that would be one way that we look at it with the snowball approach. Uh, the other way is called the avalanche, and that would be with the highest interest rate spurts. Sometimes we're not really using this. You might see that when you have those a couple 25% Amex cards or something like that where the minimum payments might just be crippling to keep up with. Uh, but usually we're trying to get the small wins and look at uh, the snowball approach and just continue to pay down each payment uh, up until we have almost everything paid off uh, except for the mortgage. And then that's when we really structure a plan to, to have an aggressive strategy to pay down the mortgage for retirement. And then there's the custom, you know, we had a client recently that wanted to pay off uh, the house first and had good reason to, to do that. Um, so it, it really, it comes down to um, the most important thing is you have a plan and then you execute. Yeah. Everybody's circumstances can be different, but the, the same thing is like you said, the plan and having a, a process to go through that and start attacking to, to pay everything down. So the fact that we even have a podcast about eliminating debt is rare because most of our peers in this industry tell you, what to accumulate money as much as possible yes yes and and i've seen time and time again here at our firm where we recommend to somebody because it's in their best interest to take this cash take it out of your account and pay off that debt time and time again because it's all relative this is to your point casey that it's about cash flow in retirement so the amount you have in your retirement account producing those cash flows fluctuates with the amount of cash flow that's required to meet the needs of the individual. So if you're carrying debt, that absolutely positively increases the amount you need to have in your account to carry the debt load. If you don't have the debt load, you don't need as much. So on, although on paper you may not see as much on, in your account value, it's okay because you don't, may not need as much because you're not carrying the debt. It's all about the cash flow. As I've said time and time again, when you pay off debt, it's like getting a tax-free raise in your checking account every month. Absolutely. A lot of times, going back to it's all about cash flow, a lot of times advisors tell their clients, you can get a 30-year, say, at 2.5% right now. I can make you more than 2.5%. But they're looking at it wrong. Because, yes, you could, and over compound, over time, you should be ahead. But uh, if, if, you're, if you're looking at a $300,000 mortgage at a, let's say, a 2.5% interest rate, I don't know what the taxes are. That all varies. But, you know, you're looking at a probably a monthly payment of something around $1,300 a month, right? So if you do $1,300 a month, you invest that money, and let's say... Um, I don't know. Let's let's use one of our planning uh, assumptions. So let's say it's a six percent rate. You know, that's fifteen hundred dollars a month that maybe you could pull out, but not every single month it's going to be able to do that, right? It's apples and oranges in that conversation. It's all about cash flow, right? So, right. so yeah. if you don't have, again, you still have to pay your taxes. You still have to pay your insurance. So that doesn't. That, I'm not even looking at that right now. But if you just look at the $1,300 a month that you don't have to pay, that's less that your portfolio has to generate. That's correct. Does that make sense? Right. Because what's going to happen in a COVID sell-off? Is that you're going to have to withdraw money from a portfolio that's down in value, where all the securities have less value, so you're going to have to sell more of them in order to meet that payment. Then when, not if, but when the market rebounds and returns back to valuation, you have fewer shares in your account. 
yeah. to do that. So you're you're constantly swimming upstream at that point. Now we know that the market's up more than it's down. We know that over over time, but it's the things that we do in the extremes. So it's when the market's way down, and we start tinkering with our investments because we don't we're tired of seeing money going down. That's one way to lose money. But also, if you have to pull money out in order to service your debt, that's the same thing as selling low, right? I mean, last year was a great example of that. We were getting plenty of calls from clients thanking you for having decision to pay off the home and that they weren't having a mortgage when the market was down 30%. On the flip side of that, the ended up doing great for the year and everything's hindsight. Could have been in a good position to have invested, but it's just mentally uh, in the long term, just not having those payments and psychologically just feeling better knowing you don't have to pay somebody else is what it's about. But the math currently adds up. You can make more money, theoretically, by keeping the money invested. So there, it's not a wrong assumption to do that. I just think it's, it's the, you wouldn't reverse it. You wouldn't yep. borrow money on your home to go invest. It's, right. the same, it's the same thing. It's just reversed. To your point earlier is that the mortgage payment is a known payment. It's a fixed amount relative to the amount that you may earn on the investments on that balance is a variable rate. So trying to match a variable rate return to a fixed rate expense is a losing proposition. Now in pension world, they have something called liability driven investing, where they are matching the assets to the liabilities. But these are futuristic events that occur over 50 or 100 years, they use almost an infinite time frame for this. And they have enough resources in the fund to match guaranteed assets to guaranteed known liabilities in the future. In most people's you know, IRAs, there's not enough money to, to match a guaranteed future liability offset by an asset in the in the account that will grow enough, especially in today's interest rate environment, to meet that liability in the future. To help people who are listening, write down all the debts, list them in order, just like Matthew said, small to, smallest to largest, write out the minimum payment. Whole idea is when you get one paid off, you simply take that that minimum payment, apply it to the next minimum payment so it keeps building. Dave Ramsey has some great calculators and resources on his website. I believe there is a snowball debt calculator, but the mortgage calculator, I use it with clients all the time. Simply type in uh, the current balance, your interest rate, your payment, just your principal interest payment. Don't include your um, your, your escrow if you have escrow. Uh, and then you simply say, I can I can send an extra $1,000 a month, and then it'll calculate and it tells you your, your interest savings. And they're significant. And that doesn't mean because you no longer have a $1,000 payment, you go live on another $1,000 and go spend it. That is assuming that you you continue those practices of, of using that $1,000 or so and pay that to the next payment and just continue down that route. You can celebrate the small wins by maybe buying something for yourself or going out to eat, but you still need to continue down that practice of aggressively paying off each debt. Dave has a good uh, saying, live like no one else today so you can live like no one else tomorrow. Uh, and I think that's that's so true in this world that we're in now. Uh, and I know it varies by region a little bit, but in Atlanta, I know that we tend to be a little more flashy with the type of cars that we drive and, and, you know, maybe the homes that we, that we have, uh, that we've maybe sometimes stretched too far for. Uh, but the reality is, is that those aren't the people that are coming to this firm because they don't have any extra money. They don't have any investments, right? <laughs> <laughs> We've seen it. It all goes to payments. They have large homes that have empty rooms, and if they if they lose a paycheck, uh, they probably can't make that make that payment. Well, that's not the lifestyle that we need to be chasing. I tell my children all the time. I say, 
you're going to meet rich people and you're going to meet wealthy people and wealth is always hidden. So the wealthy person could be the person driving in the beat up Hyundai with overalls with snuff on the side of his mouth. Cause that's a real person who walked into this office many years ago. <laughs> millionaire next door. The millionaire <laughs> right? next door. And, that's right. and, and, and uh, yeah, he had more liquidity than, than a lot of people driving up in coats and ties and cars of the same age. While other people, the rich people, they're the ones that have high incomes, but they aren't putting money away anywhere. Um, so we, we want to live and like certainly not at wealthy. a rate fast enough to support that same lifestyle no. later on. No, absolutely Their balances not. may be larger than some of them we've seen, but it's not going to support anywhere near the lifestyle that they, that they, yet the absolute value of what they have, they think is a lot. I got a call from a business owner recently, and uh, I kind of was asking him about, well, you know, where, where do you— you thinking about retirement? It's yeah. So what kind of lifestyle are you looking for? You know what, what, what are you looking to do? And and um, he says oh, I've done all the, all the fancy stuff. He goes it's all overrated. He goes I'm I'm pretty simple now. I got that out of my system. <laughs> <laughs> and the, for the first time in my life, I kind of felt like oh, I, I kind of I sort of understand it. it. You know a lot of things that that you do, you look back on is like yeah, it wasn't that big a deal. You know I thought I had to have it, but didn't really matter. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, it's important. Uh, and then it, I think it's even more important to realize where you are, to be able to look at your situation. Uh, and the reason why so many people can't get out of it, they want to change their life and get out from those payments. Uh, they can't do it because they're emotionally involved or their pride gets in the way to where, man, if I sell this, what are my friends going to say? Who they are is in their possessions. Uh, and you have to back out of that. Uh, same for jobs. Sometimes people do the same thing, especially men. Um, who we are is related to our job and what we do and our worth and importance. And that's not where we need to find our our direction. No, I think people give up, too. They just get paralyzed by it, get kind of crippled and just say, well, uh, it is what it is. I can't do anything about it. And then that's kind of when you need to reevaluate, step back and, and make a plan to move forward. You just go ahead and tackle it so you know you can get in a better place. All right. Well, at this point, we've uh, beat a dead horse, I'm afraid. Um, the bottom line is debt's a bad thing. Don't carry debt. And if you need help, we're here to help you get out of debt. Um, it's not something that's our primary job function by any means. Uh, but certainly as you're approaching retirement, there should be a debt elimination plan. And if you're in your 20s and you happen to be hearing this, if you stay away from it, then that's how you build true wealth uh, for the future. It's, it's not cheap loans. That's just more payments, right? Cheap loans just create more payments. Uh, all right. Anything else to add, guys? All right, everybody. Let's live debt-free. Step number four is complete on the step five for next week. Talk to you guys soon. Enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wiser Roundtable podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to subscribe wherever you're listening. That way you don't miss out on new episodes. Head to wiserinvestor.com and reach out if you have any questions. We would love to hear from you. Today's episode was produced and edited by Wilton Moore. Wiser Wealth Management Incorporated is a registered investment advisor. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Be sure to first consult with a qualified financial advisor and or tax professional before implementing any strategy discussed herein. Past performance is not indicative of future performance.